0: Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com today. I'm taking your questions on bad wheel bearings, engine oil, modifying your Volkswagen, and more. This is episode 36 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. You guys are going to start seeing much more of these Q&A type shows because I really want to make sure that I'm including the audience in the show and making sure that If you guys have things that you want to know about, I'm bringing that in, in addition to some of the things that I want to know about. And remember, if you don't see your question on a show like this, or in the audio only version uh, case, hear your question on a show like this, I have taken a lot of these questions that I get and done short videos on YouTube. There's a quick answer playlist on YouTube, where I just do one question per video, and you can check that out. I'm going to find a way to get those in audio format only for you guys as well, but as of right now, those are living on YouTube only as standalone videos. If you want to check that out at the bottom of every blog post, there are links to where you can follow me on all social media platforms, as well as check out the YouTube videos or simply search on YouTube, Humble Mechanic, and you're going to find me and my videos over there. Before we get into your questions, I want to let you guys know if you like the work that I do, want to support the show, enjoy the audio show only, enjoy the video series, as well as all the other things that I do to try and help you guys out with all of your car needs, check out the Crew Membership Program. This is an awesome way to support the show, to help me keep the lights on, but really more importantly, to help you guys get an awesome return on the money that you're spending With discounts to places like Black Forest, Eastwood, Sonic Tools, MT Knives, Scanner Danner, Mycanic, Petrolbox, Prime Sunglasses, and a bunch more, you really can actually make money by being part of the crew members. I know a lot of the guys that have bought from Sonic Tools actually save more money than the crew membership costs, which is the whole point. It's exactly how I built it because I wanted you guys to be able to do that. In addition to all that, you also get the downloads for the VW Audi training manuals that we build for the classes that we teach. Those are 355 bucks a pop if you want to come hang out at a class with us. You guys get that included with your membership. To all the crew members, thank you guys so much for your support over this last year. It's been amazing. I couldn't do this. I couldn't be here without you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If joining the crew member is not your flavor, a patreon you can check out some cool stuff going on over there or the simple free easy way to help support the show is to click that amazon link check out the recommended tools that i have down at the bottom of every blog post and buy what you were going to buy on Amazon, and I get a little credit for it. It costs you nothing extra. This does not cost you guys anything extra except like one or two mouse clicks maybe, and it should work on mobile as well. So I do appreciate you guys hitting that link and using that for me. Again, free way to help support the show and keep it going for you guys. All right, with that taken care of, let's jump into some of your questions. The way to get a question
1: on a show like this is to shoot me an email to charles at humblemechanic.com and put question for Charles in the subject line that way I know exactly what the email is for. So let's not waste a bunch of time and get right into your questions. First one comes from Lisa. (laughs) She says she finally has a mechanic question to ask. Thanks Lisa. Uh, Is it really bad to warm up your car in the morning when it's so cold? There's actually a lot of debate about this kind of thing. Um, Personally I don't really think it's that bad of a thing to do. I do it because I don't want to drive in a cold car. Um, You know, if you're doing it from a comfort standpoint, then I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, It will take your car longer to warm up just letting it run than it does to drive it. Uh, Another thing that I'll do while I'm on my street, as long as I can see, I'll put the transmission in first gear, it's an automatic, and just driving first gear relatively slow, I'm in a neighborhood anyway, and uh, that'll bring the RPM up higher, that'll get all the fluids flowing faster and, and warm the car up a little bit faster. So. I don't think it's a bad thing. I know there's a lot of people that say you ruin your car when you do that. Um, You know, if it's negative 40 degrees and you leave it running for an hour just at idle, that may be a problem. But uh, for you, Lisa, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And uh, it also helps the seat warmers warm up um, so your butt's not super cold when you put it it in the driver's seat. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I really don't. And she also has a side question of why doesn't VW have the little, a little flame icon like the snowflake when the temperature gets over a (laughs) hundred. That's an awesome idea. Um, in my Passat, the way I know it's getting hot is actually the, uh, that center display that Lisa's talking about where the snowflake pops up. It actually just goes dim and you can't see anything. So that's how I know it's hot other than, you know, it's hot, but, uh, for those of you that don't know, there's a, um, a cold weather warning on most Volkswagens that pops up at 39 degrees, and that's the temperature where bridges and overpasses can actually form ice. It's a way for your car to let you know that you, know, you need to be a little bit extra careful uh, while you're driving. So, good questions, Lisa. Thank you. All right. This one comes from Jeff. He says, curious since I'm a VW tech and love VW cars, what are my thoughts on VW performance upgrades? VW racing parts uh, can be had through some vendors. And VW tuners like APR are pretty well respected. What are my thoughts on APR tunes and upgrades on the 2.0 turbo in his GTI? I think he has a 2010 or 2011 GTI. Um, That engine tuned is awesome, and it's way more fun to drive than it is stock. So I'm a big fan of ECM tunes on those 2.0 liters. Um, You know, everybody probably has their favorite tuning company. I know APR makes some great stuff. There's a bunch of other ones out there uh do your research on it and make sure that you're getting um exactly what you want and out of the tune uh he also says um he realizes that VW frown upon it but purely from a gearhead standpoint how much uh does a tune affect reliability and he's asking specifically about the stage 1 tune i don't think the stage 1 tune is a big deal as far as reliability goes um you know If you're getting up in those two, two, three, three plus tunes, that's when you start to really see drivability perhaps suffer, not always, um, or reliability. But if you're just doing a stage one tune, Jeff, I say go for it, man, it's awesome. As far as Volkswagen frowning upon it, it's really case by case. So if a car comes in that is clearly modified, you know, suspension slammed on the ground, big wheels, it has APR stickers all over the side of the car, and it comes in for a check engine light, immediately I'm going to think the vehicle's been tuned. Um, Obviously, it's modified. So if it's, let's say, an EVAP leak and the gas cap's loose, no big deal. Or the gas cap's bad, no big deal. That shouldn't be a problem getting it covered under warranty. If, let's say, it's got misfires and, you know, overboost faults, that's sort of when you get into the... uh, the world of the tune is affected, the warranty. Or if it's, you know, your driver's door latch is bad and your ECM's tuned, they're two completely unrelated things, so I don't care. A lot of times, Jeff, it depends on what dealership you're taking it to and how you approach it. So if I have a drivability concern and I'm concerned about the tune, you know, maybe it's cutting out at 2000 RPM, um, the best bet is just to be honest with them because I'm going to tell you that I'll be a lot more likely to go to bat for you and help you out if you're honest with me than if you lie to me and tell me it's not tuned and I can clearly tell that the vehicle's been modified and and tuned. So, um, you know, my best advice for that is just be honest with them. Hopefully you have a good relationship with a service station. Uh, If your car's still under warranty, definitely have a good relationship with the dealer or at least one tech in the dealership. Um, that's something I've always recommended, you know, get a guy in the dealership or a girl in the dealership that you can rely on and have them be your, go, uh, you know, your go-to guy. So um, good question, Jeff. Thanks for that. All right. Next up. Um, this is from, oh, I deleted the name. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'll go back and put your name in the title. It'll it'll be like right here in big, bold letters. And when I answer this question for you, he says, hey, Charles, I have a 2011 Tiguan up here in Canada, and he has a few questions. Are there any differences between Castrol Edge Professional that the dealers sell and the normal, quote, normal version that you can buy from the local auto stores? And this is actually a two-part question. Um, no, it's the same stuff. Um, Volkswagen has deals with oil companies, and um, a lot of times the dealerships can get this oil a little bit cheaper or... They may not get the oil cheaper, but they may get like marketing packages that come along with buying this oil through Volkswagen. And all manufacturers have stuff like this. They have relationships with tires, oil, you name it, and, and there's a relationship out there. So if you're buying oil um, you know at the auto part, part store or whatever, buy it. It's the same thing. Uh, make sure you're meeting the specs of, of oil that your vehicle requires. All that information is in your owner's book, and um, you won't have a problem with it. And it'll probably be cheaper too, to be honest with you. Um, Also, he has a stage 1 APR chip. Does it automatically avoid the warranty? Okay, so we talked about that just a minute ago with Jeff's question. Um, Again, just to refresh, it's it's case by case. So it may, it may not. It all depends on what is going on with the vehicle. All right, Guillermo asks, he's actually got kind of a long question. Um, He watched the video on the vacuum pump failure, and he's got a TDI engine. And he's wondering why specifically, because so many other things are controlled from engine vacuum, like the EGR, the turbo, um, why the brakes are done on a manual pump, and some of the other systems are taken straight from engine vacuum, generally manifold vacuum. Um, That is actually a really easy question. It's all about safety. So if your EGR fails to work, your check engine light will come on, or you might have a little bit of drivability concern. If your brakes lose vacuum, you have a big-time safety concern. And for all the uh, unique way Volkswagen engineers things, one thing they don't tend to mess around with is safety. So they're going to do everything they can to make sure that safety is never a concern. Um, You know, check engine light may come on if you lose that vacuum or the vacuum hose brakes or whatever, but they're going to do whatever they can do to prevent any kind of safety concern, um, especially when it comes to losing vehicle braking. That's, uh, that's a big, time, big time one. I think we've we seen that years and years ago, so uh, uh, with Toyota <laughs> and all the, the drama that may or may not have really been there. I don't know, I wasn't involved with it. I'm just glad it wasn't a Volkswagen problem. But good question. Again, all about safety. Owen asks, "Would a 40-year ban on motorcycle, or excuse me, motor racing, save our planet? What do I think? Um, I don't think it would save our planet. I do think there's a lot of waste. Uh, that goes into motorsports as far as fuel and you know, on and on and on. But um, it's not gonna change the temperature of anybody's pool or, or anything like that, as as they say. Um, there's a lot about that question that I really want to talk about, but this isn't uh, isn't the savior planet podcast. Um, You know, one thing I think that we all take for granted in the industry is that we work in a space where there is a lot of pollution, there is a lot of waste, um, and some guys are very conscious of it. I like to consider myself very conscious of it. Some people don't care. Uh, I can tell you a lot of the automotive industry does take good care to not pollute local environments. Um, You know, we can only do so much with, like, disposal of oil, disposal of coolant. We have companies that handle that for us. Um, but as far as saving the planet, man, I don't think so. I think if we stop cutting down the forest and uh, maybe look at what, what big agriculture is doing to, to the United States and the breadbasket area, um, we might have better luck than uh, a 40-year ban. Plus, we also got to think about what a 40-year ban would do to everyone in that industry, not only you know, the people that work for the Circuit of the Americas, um, what would that do to the economy of Indianapolis and Daytona, uh, not only that, the, I have a friend that manufactures parts for race cars. He would be out of business. So uh, I don't think that would do anybody any good. But interesting question, and I actually like where your head was that add on it. Um, I just really don't think it would do do what we would what we would want it to do to make it worth the cost of uh, basic, basically shutting down an entire industry. All right, Andrew asks: As a professional mechanic, <laughs> what is the worst fix? Quote. Uh, you've ever seen? I personally had to deal with uh, duct tape shift bushings on a car I had purchased. Um, you know, Andrew, that's one of those questions that I wish the day I started in the industry, I would have started writing all that down because I know there's like a million and a half things that I've seen that were absolutely ridiculous fixes for uh, for vehicles. But the one that stands out in my mind was an oil change that someone had done at Walmart, and um, they brought it to us because it was leaking oil. And uh the customer or whoever I assume it was probably not the customer, it was probably the people at Walmart, actually duct taped around the oil filter to make it stop leaking. And since customer brought it in leaking, obviously that didn't work. Um, I've also seen a customer <laughs> take and actually I posted this on shop shots. If I can find the picture, I'll post it for you guys, where they took uh two pillows and bungee corded them around the seat, the seat back, um, because the seat slide was stuck and uh you know, stuff like that, it's, it's not terribly common, but when it comes in, it's, it's funny. And I try and take pictures of it. Like I said, I wish I would have started that uh, day one of my career. So if you guys are young technicians, start writing that stuff down because you're going to have a journal like this of hilarious things to tell people. Um, I'll think about that one, Andrew, and if I can, if I can come up with any more, uh, maybe I'll just do a whole show about it. Um, I'll just have to kind of dig through the history of what, uh, what I've done over the years and, and try and remember But great question, man. Thanks for that. All right, next one up. Hey, Charles, avid reader of your website, posts. Appreciate uh, the advice and honest opinions. Thank you. This comes from Tom. He recently purchased an 05 Audi S4 and it appears to have a bad rear wheel bearing. Um, So basically, he wants to know, how do I determine what wheel bearing it is? So Tom, this is a very easy theory, Mm -hmm. but... Because wheel bearings fail in so many different ways, you can't rely 100% on this. So the way I use to determine whether it's a right or left, front or rear wheel bearing, usually I have the advantage if I'm not 100% sure right away, I can grab one of the other techs in the shop, throw them in the back seat, and let them listen back there versus me in the driver's seat. Because it's hard to diagnose noises while you're trying to pay attention to uh, to the road and all the other crazies out there. Um, So, first determine front, back, you know, what what corner or what end of the car it's coming from. To do right or left can be really easy. If you're driving straight and you turn the wheel left, that's going to load the right side of the car. The car is going to lean this way. If the noise gets louder, it's usually because that side has more pressure on it, so now there's more pressure applied to that wheel bearing. So, if I'm turning left and my noise gets louder, it's probably the right wheel bearing. And it's just the opposite, if I'm turning right, loading up the left side of the car, and now it gets louder, it's probably the left wheel bearing. That's not always 100% of the time, um, it's a good rule of thumb though. You can also sort of rock the car back and forth while you're driving and, um, and sort of see how the noise changes as the load of the suspension changes. You can also listen to the car up in the air if you have access to that with um what you know what are those things called? Stethoscope. <laughs> you can listen to those things uh with the car up in the air with a stethoscope, and that'll um usually a wheel bearing will make a, a really crunchy noise. If you're not sure, listen to both sides and you know, usually the one that's louder is is the one that's a problem. And on an S4, since I think they're all quattro. Uh, make sure you don't have any noise coming from the diff or maybe the um, the carrier bearing. I'm not sure if that's an issue on the Audis or not. I know it was on the Torag, but when a carrier bearing goes bad on a Torag, you know because it sounds like someone's beating the underneath of the car with a hammer. Um, good question, though, Tom. Thanks for that. That I've had some wheel bearings do some weird things. Um where they were perfectly quiet until 30 miles per hour, then it sounded like a helicopter coming from the back. And at 40 miles an hour, it was completely silent again. So um, really spend the time diagnosing that wheel bearing because some are really easy and some are really tricky. All right, next up. This is about engine oil it says, simple question on the surface, but can't open a whole can of worms. Jack asks, what kind of oil do I use in my Passat and why? Okay, Jack, this is a really easy question. I use Pennzoil Platinum with Pure Plus technology. Uh, and I use that because that's what the shop has. Um, if I didn't use what the shop had, I'd probably go with Mobile One. Um, there's no real reason. I don't think one's better than the other. It's more just an affinity for Mobile One that I had years ago. Um, that's kind of went away. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the Penn's oil. I've seen a lot. I was able to go down to Houston and check out that. And um, that has definitely swayed my opinion. But I use what I got available at the shop, and um, right now that's Oil. And uh, pretty much, man, when you're dealing in synthetic oils and, um, you know, the higher line stuff, it's all really good. Just make sure you're getting what your car requires. Uh, it gets really important with diesels and Volkswagen diesel engines. They need to be either, you know, 50501 or 50700, depending on what generation. So make sure you're putting the right oil in. If it needs synthetic, use synthetic. If it needs 540, use 540. If it needs 530, use 530. What your car calls for is what you want to use in it. So that's really important. And again, I use Pennzoil Platinum and uh, it's it's actually done really well. I think it's a little bit better than the Castrol oil that I was using previous. Um, I do seem to burn a little bit less oil with the Pennzoil than I did with Castrol. So, um, but the, the real reason is, is that's what I got available. <laughs> Good question, Jack. Thanks for that. All right. Next up is, hey, Charles, hope you're having a great day. Thank you. I am having a great day. Uh, want to know my thoughts on the Golf R versus the WRX. Okay. If we're talking about just the WRX, um, Golf R, hands down, no problem. Uh, if we're talking about the STI, and I hope I got my Subaru uh, models right, um, it's a toss-up, man. Um, I I'm a Golf R fan. Um, I mean, I'm pretty much a walking Volkswagen billboard most days. Um, so of course, you know, my bias is going to definitely lean heavy on the Golf R. From talking to other people, and actually, I was having a conversation with a fellow yesterday that um, came into the dealership. And he's friends with one of the sales managers, and he's a he's a WRX STI guy. That's his that's his jam. And um, we had him drive one of the new GTIs, which I know is not a Golf R, but he was really impressed. And his take on it was the Golf R and the the GTI are more refined as a vehicle overall than the WRX and the STI would be. Um, That's not saying that the WRX isn't a great car and a nice vehicle and fast and a fun car to drive. That was his interpretation of the difference in the two. And again, he's a Subaru guy, um, of course, when he's not driving a Ferrari. So as far as that goes, I would take the Golf R. Um, I'm really interested in what the Golf R is going to bring this time. I think creeping up at almost 300 horsepower is going to be huge. I like to see such a big split in horsepower from the GTI to the Golf R. I mean, we're talking, what, almost 100 horsepower, not to mention you're you're getting into all-wheel drive. So... I think the Golf R, um, the 2015 Golf R is going to really, really, really be awesome. And I'm looking forward to to taking one out and driving it and checking it out. So, um, good question. But you know, the truth of the matter is on that one, man, it comes down to whatever you like. If you like the STI, that's the one for you. WRX, that's the one for you. If you're a Volkswagen person, you know, the, the Golf R is going to be the, uh, is going to be the one that you go with.
0: All right. I think we got time for
1: one more question and this one comes from Rick. He said, would going from an aftermarket clutch and flywheel back to the factory dual mass cause a noticeable difference in power delivery? Um, yes, it can. It de- it, honestly, Rick, it really depends on how much horsepower your car has to begin with. You'll notice a difference in drivability. Um, you'll notice that, in my opinion, a single mass flywheel seems to be jerkier than a dual mass flywheel. A dual mass flywheel also absorbs some of that engine vibration that um, that you know will feed back a little bit more with a single mass flywheel. If you're talking a 600 horsepower car, absolutely. If you're talking a stock car or a stage one tune, um, I don't know that the power delivery is going to really be that different, but I think the driving experience can be considerably different. So uh, if you know someone with both drive the other one first and, and see how it feels. You know, go from there. I think single mass flywheels are great. The the cabbie's got a dual mass with the VR. Um, you do get more feedback from the transmission in uh, in a single mass flywheel, but I feel like you probably get a little bit more feel of the drive with single mass than dual mass. Um, you also asked if I have any specific brands that I'd personally recommend. I really don't. Um, there's, I mean, the clutch has got to function in a certain way. Um, I probably wouldn't buy the cheapest clutch I could. I did a little bit of research, and from what I can find, like, on ECS tuning and at Black Forest Industries, they seem to use clutch master and Competition Clutch, and I know Black Forest sells a buttload of clutch packs, um, and they got great prices, too. And When I upgrade the clutch in the cabbie, that's probably what I'm going to do is go to single mass flywheel with, uh, like, a Stage 1 Plus clutch from Black Forest. And it doesn't hurt that they're local, so I can just run up there and pick it up. But um, this is where I'm going to kind of ask you guys in the audience if you guys have a clutch brand that you can recommend to Rick. Post it in the comments so uh, so we can share that with him and maybe help him find you know the best possible clutch for his uh, his application. I'm going to click over back to his email and see. And he's got a 2010 GTI with a stage one tune, so. Um, if you guys have a clutch recommendation form on that, please post that in the comments
0: and it's funny because for the most part, I stand firm on the way I felt about a lot of these things. When I filmed this video about three years ago, the warming up your car one, I think I've kind of backed off on, and I actually do warm up the car a little bit less than I had before that thing where I talked about putting it in first gear and driving it out of the neighborhood. I do that more often than simply starting it up and letting it idle in my driveway and modern cars, you know, 17 model year, 18 model year, the newest Tiguan, especially it's crazy how fast these cars do get up the temperature when you drive them versus when you just let them idle. So good stuff. As always, if you guys have questions or comments about today's episode, shoot over to the blog at humblemechanic.com, search episode 36 or click the link in iTunes. It'll take you right there. And drop a comment, let me know what's going on, how you're feeling, what's your days like, what car you're working on, whatever you want to talk about as long as it's automotive related and like a PG-13 type rating, let's chat about it. Also, if you guys are digging the audio-only version of the show, do me a favor, swing over to your favorite podcasting platform and drop it a review on iTunes if you think it's worth 5 awesome if you think it's worth less that's cool too, I appreciate you taking the time to mash that mouse a couple extra times that you don't really have to and leave a review for me super appreciate it, it really does help makes me feel good and it lets me know what you guys think of the show All right, with that guys, thank you so much for listening, have an awesome Thanksgiving, hope you have a nice long weekend, if you're a retail worker I get it this is the rough weekend for you. I spent a lot of years doing it myself, so my uh, my heart is with you. Hopefully, it'll be pretty trouble-free, and maybe you can score an extra day off. So guys, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.